Hey, I'm sex, love, and relationship therapist, Dr. Laura Berman, and for the last 30 years, I've been helping people learn to love and be loved better. Welcome to the Language of Love Sessions. This is where I get to work with you one-on-one, on air. You, my listeners, my goal in these sessions is to empower you to enjoy better relationships, both with others and with yourself, and to help you embrace how precious and sacred your body, your love life, and your sexuality really is. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. Hi, guys. Hi. It's time for our session. (laughs) So how are we doing since the last time we spoke? Oh, it's tricky. Our intimacy in terms of day-to-day conversations, laughing, supporting each other is like 10 out of 10. I, oh, I'm going to get emotional. I kind of feel like I need some hormone support. Like I really feel like it's that time. Last night, we re-listened to your, our sessions with you and I was like, okay, Kenny, I'm Cleopatra. And we were being <laughs> playful and fooling around. And I'm like, I don't even know who Cleopatra's like people were. Yeah. He's like, okay, I'll be your servant. It was just fun. We had we were being playful. And then I got down to business and nothing like nothing. And it was just mind you, 2 30 in the morning. So okay. I just I had oral surgery last week, so I wasn't able to sleep. And Ken was being very sweet, like, do you want to watch TV? I'm like, no, it's okay. So I'm like, oh, what the heck? We're awake. Let's try this. And, and so when you say nothing happened, do you mean? I felt nothing, Dr. Laura. Okay. Nothing. You felt like, nothing. literally, like, I it was like an excavation of a kid. I was just like, what's going on here? Okay. You're talking about your sexual response, just so we're- Yes. I, had, I just didn't feel any tingling, no excitement, no arousal. Like I was kissing Kenny on his face and he was freshly shaved and I really liked being near him. And I was like, oh, you know what? I think I can't sleep because I want to do something here. You know, I was really like trying to spiritually yeah. connect yeah. my mind to my body. And then Kenny was trying also. Now it's funny. It was not funny last night. It was just, I just started to just get really hopeless and sad. And then I just started saying things that not just, I just wasn't very nice. I wasn't mean, but I wasn't nice. You know, I was just babbling. Yeah. And when you say he was trying things, meaning he was trying to stimulate you and it wasn't working. Yeah. He's like, well, let me, let me try. And all the playfulness stopped. Yeah. And it became excavation. Like he was getting a splinter out kind of. Yeah. Well, he wanted to fix it. Of yeah. course he did. Of course he did. And I, I just made me feel worse. Which isn't his fault. It just, I mean, no, it's, it's not, it's not his fault. Right. It's nobody's so, fault. But I want, I think that's important because he gets really nervous about doing the wrong thing. And I told him to it wasn't, I did, right. Okay. Did I wasn't kind, that? but I did, I didn't say <laughs> it was his fault. What? All right. Let, before I dive into this, cause I have a lot of thoughts. Let me check in with you, Kenny, about what your take on this was that happened the last night. No, I mean, Marla summed it up. Well, you know, I went to bed whenever and Marla came up and we talked for a while and we sort of fooling around a little bit. And like Marla said, it just, you know, we just couldn't get out of the starting gate. And yeah, it just, this made Marla very frustrated. 
understandably so. You know, and like Mom said, every, everything was great except from 2.30 to 3 o'clock. Yeah. And have yeah. you guys, have you been sexual since our last conversation? Because at our last conversation, life had gotten crazy. You weren't finding the time. Yeah. To make yeah. That was like a month ago. So until last right. week, have you been able to be successfully sexual with one another? No. Yeah, not really. I mean, you know, a couple of times, but nothing. Not, on, on I wouldn't say sexual. What do you, when you, this sounds silly, but when you say sexual, like. I don't know. Sex. It could be. Yeah, we haven't had sex. To okay. Be honest, haven't we had haven't had sex. You I was it. away. No, I was away for a, a bit. No excuses. We just haven't. We, we yeah. moved the massage table because we were, you know, we're still bringing furniture and taking stuff out. So we moved the massage table upstairs. And by moving it upstairs, it was sort of out of sight. Yeah. So that touching and evening, it was like a visual reminder for us to like nurture each other. Now it's like put away in, a, in another room and it takes more effort and planning. And I have to say, neither one of us have been good at that. I also had oral surgery last week. Yeah. So there's been so a lot. Have, yeah. So how, how old are you now, Marla? I'll be 63 um, in a month. And so how long have you been without a period? Oh my goodness. I had a hysteric, a partial hysterectomy at 43. Okay. And so, but you kept your ovaries after that. I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we don't know because you don't have a uterus when you went into menopause, but we can guess since the average is 50, 51, you know, uh -huh. it's been at least 10 years, but um. you haven't, it doesn't sound like from our past conversations that you have, I mean, we've talked about lubricants and stuff, but you don't really have a lot of pain or dryness that makes things uncomfortable and you have been able to sexually respond until recently. Yes. I'd say about a year when I really break it down. Okay. Like for my normal response. Yes. Well, so you know? just so you understand, and this is really important, I'm glad you're bringing this up because you're certainly, I mean, this is really normal. Usually the symptoms start much earlier than in your 60s, although I know there was a long period of time where you weren't really sexual together, so you maybe didn't test it. You know what I mean? And now right. that you've been testing it, the symptoms are becoming right. apparent. But basically what happens as we move into perimenopause and menopause, which is usually perimenopause can start in our mid to late 30s, but menopause for most of us is average age of 51, but it can be earlier or later. And the only, and what constitutes menopause is basically from moving from perimenopause to menopause is going a year without a period, but whatever. Let's just talk about the symptoms. Basically what's happening is you have a, a drop in estrogen. There's different kinds of, of estrogens, progesterone and testosterone. Those are your three sex hormones. And the important ones for sex is estrogen, which plays a role in like the thickness of the vaginal tissues. So any kind of thinning or atrophy or pain or dryness that's usually related to low estrogen levels. And estrogen also plays a role in cardiovascular health in memory and lots of different things. And testosterone is central to sensation, nipple and genital sensation. By the way, this is true for men and women. Nipple and genital sensation, ability to get aroused and ability to have orgasms. So 
and muscle tone and energy and general sense of well-being, all of those things, testosterone plays a role. And now testosterone is slowly, unlike estrogen, which just drops off once our ovaries have decided it's time to go to sleep, (laughs) sort of with menopause, the testosterone is slowly declining. So like a woman in her 60s has half the testosterone that a woman in her 20s has. And so desire, sexual response, and energy will be significantly affected the lower your testosterone levels get. So there are lots of variables. I just did a podcast interview. It'll come out probably in a little bit if it hasn't come out already, because I don't know when this episode is going to air. But I just did an interview with a menopausal expert who I was so grateful because I really had her take us through the disservice and how incorrect there was this big women's health initiative study that happened in around 2000, 2001, which came out with a false, it wasn't a well-designed study. There were a lot of flaws in it. We get into all of this in the podcast, but basically stating that in this study, hormone therapy caused, was correlated with an increased breast cancer risk. And at that point, every doctor in the country took every woman off hormones and and refused to give it anymore. And that's where we've been since 2001. Mm-hmm. But I'm a PhD. I'm not an MD. I'm not going to get into all the new, you know, we, you can listen to that podcast about menopause to learn more about if you want to get into the minutia of it. But here's the bottom line that unless you have a significant risk factor, like your BRCA positive, you have the genetic risk factors, or you had an estrogen sensitive breast cancer or something like that, or you have a medical condition that puts you at risk for something, really hormones, if managed and given carefully and knowledgeably, actually are protective versus harmful. And they help with all the things I talked about, memory, weight, energy, general sense of well-being, and sexual response. So mm-hmm. I do think it's worth you going and talking. I'm, I'm First of all, I'm curious why you are now- I actually was on HRT for about six years. And then my doctor said, because my mother and both grandmothers and both aunts, both matrilineal, patrilineal, had breast cancer, she's like, I think five years is enough. I think you have to stop. So now I have an S string vaginally, which is doing okay. very a and little. That'll be locally. That doesn't get systemically right. absorbed. So that will help right. with the vaginal tissue piece. And I take progesterone at night to sleep because I had trouble sleeping. Yeah. And then last year, the year before last, I had I experimented with a T pellet being implanted. Yeah. And that made me like a bit of a gorilla for the first 15 to 20 days. I was just like a mad woman and then it would settle and I felt great. I felt like working out and my joints felt great and everything. So I can't seem to get like the magic. And what happened with that? Did you stay on the testosterone? No, I got another pellet and then I actually went back to her about two months ago, excuse me. And she was saying, you know, maybe we could do it again with just a little lesser in it this time. Yeah. But I feel like I need... My uh, compounding pharmacist, my hormonal lady I went to before is in Italy right now with her family because I just checked her Instagram this morning. I was going to DM her and just be like, yeah. oh, because yeah. she's really, she's good. She she prescribed like a spray for my nose and yep. these little pellet suppositories to put 
you know, up inside, but like, it's all gotta be a symphony, you know, yeah, it can't be like, be, it has to be. And it's not. Yeah. And just so everyone understands you included, it's a little labor intensive because mm -hmm. there's no like one size fits all approach. This is why I don't no. really like the pharmaceutical company. I understand there's a role for them, but all the kind of prescription brands of, of hormone replacement therapy, they are like in two or three sizes, you know, small, medium and husky, right? And they're all kind of, there's nothing personalized about them. And a lot of them are made from synthetic products or horse urine or other things. So right. first of all, you're on the right track with the compounding pharmacist and using what we call bioidentical hormones. Yes. But yeah. it is a process of mm -hmm. getting the right symphony, as you say, getting the right combination, monitoring your side effects, monitoring mm -hmm. your symptoms, but not succumbing to the hype. So for me, and this is once again, my PhD suggestion, being someone who's ushered thousands of women through this and been through it, been going through it myself, is get the genetic testing if you can, right? I actually did. I'm BRCA, I'm BRCA negative. Okay. So you're BRCA negative and they look mm -hmm. at other things too. check two. Uh, you know, it's not just BRCA anymore. They've learned a lot more genetically, oh, okay. but if you had genetic testing, I'm sure they, unless if you had it five years ago, get it done again. Cause they've, yeah, I did. It was, I'll get it done yeah. again. So I would get it done again because they have a whole new, new layers of genetic understanding, which is helpful and also soothing. Because like in my case, for instance, I went to the geneticist and I was like, all right, what are my risk factors here? And she's like, you basically have, even though you've had breast cancer and your mother and your aunt and this person, that person had it, you're actually, you have this one thing that may make you a little more susceptible to colon cancer, but because you have this other thing, you don't really, your risk is basically the same as anyone else. Uh -huh. I was like, I would have thought my risk was through the roof. So now you can move into, once you understand the whole genetic platform, right? Then you can start moving into quality versus quantity, right? Like, okay, right. you can make those more informed decisions. And I've worked with many women who are like, okay, yeah, maybe I do have a slightly more increased risk of breast cancer if I take these hormones, possibly, although those studies are extremely flawed. So we don't even know. There's lots of arguments being made for the opposite being true, but let's just pretend it's potentially true. This is affecting my quality of life enough that it's worth it to me. Like, I, you know, I want to live vibrantly and fulfillingly yeah. and feeling good and having energy and enjoying my sensual and sexuality. And so it's worth it to me. Right. So, but you have to make an informed decision and you have to work with either a physician or a nurse practitioner or a pharmacist who mm -hmm. can monitor you and work with you to create the symphony. So it's not just like giving them to you and then seeing you in six months and being like, maybe we should lower the dose. But it's also, it really pisses me off when doctors do what your doctor did was like, okay, you just need these for five years. Screw you. I just need these for five years. Yeah, we're in the worst decision ever. Yeah, but she was doing it because she was scared by this one freaking study. Yeah, the you're right. Health initiative. It just pisses me off. Yeah, no, it's true. So I feel like the fact that you're saying it, unless like if you were having trauma coming up or well, issues with, Penny coming up and none of that was going on. And this is more of like, I don't have the tingling warmth. I feel numb. I don't have the sensation physiologically. Like I have the emotional desire, but I don't have thoughts, fantasies, and motivation. I don't have horniness. I don't have yeah. tingling and warmth 
in my genitals or my nipples don't get erect or whatever it is. And it's new. It's not something that's always been the case. And it isn't related to significant body image or trauma stuff or relationship stuff. It's probably, and you're the right age and stage. If it quacks and walks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Right. Yeah. It's just like, I just, I'm tired of feeling this way and thinking this way. Like I had a, my physical therapist trainer is helping me with some other issues. And she had me do this exercise. And I was like, I don't think I feel what you're asking me to do. And first we started to giggle. And then it was like a light bulb went off. Like, holy moly, there's no, there's just no connection. And I kept thinking I was, it was me and, you know, I'm, I'm whatever, just away from myself. I feel like one of those, you know, those things where you're cut into parts when you get puzzles for your kids and that one just slid over like this way. You mean the, from the waist down? Yeah. From like my waist. Yeah. That whole solar plexus, you know, my tummy, my, like even my breasts, it's, it's very, very, it's upsetting. Yeah. And because it wasn't that way before. No. And what about Kenny's hormones? How are your hormones, Kenny? How's your energy, erections, general sense of well-being? Yeah, I mean, I'm in reasonably good shape. I mean, I, I could, my energy is definitely below where I think it should be. And even if it's not below where it should be, it's it's below where I want it to be, which yeah, to me is more important. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't sleep particularly well. So that's very frustrating. And have you had any hormonal evaluations or anything? I, I mean, I go for regular blood work and my testosterone is, is consistently in range. But other than that, no. Yeah. Okay. So just make sure that they don't just test your testosterone, but that they also test your free testosterone, which is really what yeah. you're just, and that's normal. That's normal. Okay, good. Because that that's important too for you, right? And it may sure. be... And Lord knows there's a poop ton of testosterone therapies available for men, not as many for women. But if you go to the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, it sounds like you have some resources already. But if you go to the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, which I think is A4M.com, and we'll put that in the show notes as well for folks, you can find someone. I like to look for someone who is ideally a diplomat in the organization or has a lot of experience being part of the organization is one who teaches others because they have a lot of experience, but you can usually find someone in your area who does and works with bioidentical hormone therapy because that you want to be a partner with this person where every three weeks you're checking in about symptoms and every few months you're measuring levels because Basically, what you're doing is they started a really, ideally, they started a really low dose and you can do it through pellets, through patches, through injections. Like I do testosterone injections because my doctor doesn't like the pellets because if you have a bad reaction to it, you're stuck with the menu and then it also is exactly. a curve. And so I give myself an injection every week, which is no big deal. I thought it would be, but it's not. Oh. So it's a teeny tiny little needle, bada boom, bada bing. I freak my husband out, but I'm fine with it. 
Hey, it's Dr. Laura Berman. I've been a sex, love, and relationship therapist for over 30 years. And the main question I always get asked is, how the heck do we spice it up in a long-term monogamous relationship? Well, if you want to take your love life, your sex life to the next level, whether you're in a relationship or not, check out my free course on quantum sex. It's going to teach you how to take your sexual response to the next level capable of full body orgasms, how to use sex magic to manifest your dreams, and how to connect on an even deeper level sexually with your partner. Just go to DrLauraBerman.com and you'll find it right there on the homepage, the quantum sex free course. Check it out. Let me know what you think. So there's lots of ways to do this, but what you're looking to do is to start with the lowest possible dose and then slowly titrate up until your symptoms are better and you're feeling better. And then you're there for a while and you're taking, and therefore you're taking the lowest possible dose of something that's bioidentical, usually a combination of things. Cause like I said, there's several different kinds of estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. And then Maybe a few years down the line, you're going to need, you'll notice the symptoms are there and then you need to adjust or add in more or whatever. So it's in an ideal world. And and this is tricky for people to understand because we're really the second generation, really the first generation that is going to live probably half our lives in menopause. If we're lucky, you know, the average life expectancy is a hundred years and we're not, our evolution hasn't caught up with modern medical technology, which now keeps us alive until a hundred with all these medications and medical interventions and heart surgeries and everything else. But the problem is that we are not intended to live this long in without hormonal support. And so people think, Oh, I'm 50 now. I should just, it's just a natural part of aging. No, it's no more a natural part of aging than that's be the equivalent of saying be stopping active. Being active is a natural part of aging. No mm-hmm. longer having sex is a natural part of aging. Having no life is a natural part of aging. No, it's not. It was when we lived another 10 years and there was no options and nothing to be done, but that's not true anymore. Right. So it may mean that in some cases, and I'm not saying this is true for you because you may not even need or want systemic estrogen. You'll decide that with your doctors and your genetic testing and your symptoms and everything else. But someone who is taking estrogen systemically will continue to get a period probably if they have a uterus. And maybe that's a deal breaker for them. For me, like I wouldn't, I haven't started estrogen yet, but I'm fine getting a period for the rest of my life if it means I feel great and I'm active and I'm supported and my memory's good and my sex life is good. And yeah, bring on the period. But everyone's, it's it's an individual decision. Right. But we're entitled to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. I really dropped the ball because I really trusted what they were saying was true. Yeah. So, well, it was to them. I'm not saying they yeah. intentionally lied. No, to no, them, no, but, no. But, no. but Everyone really what, meant well. It's just I should have questioned because I'm educated. I know about these studies. I know, you know, how tilted. I mean, we all know how every part of care for women is tilted. Yeah. Yeah. But. And it's really about the, what's saddest to me is how it's really about 
the medical community covering their own asses, right? Because yeah. everybody's so, and I, and that's our fault too, not your, you know, individuals, but as a culture and a society, it's our fault yeah. because they all get the crap suit out of them and their malpractice insurance is through the roof because they're getting the crap suit out of them for ridiculous things and people for nefarious purposes, some legitimate, but mostly nefarious, right? So because of all of that, the medical community is so paranoid about mm-hmm. getting sued that they won't even give you the treatment you need because right. of one stupid study. I mean, I had just launched a whole women's sexual health center that had this huge medical arm in it. I remember in Chicago, I launched it in 2000 and the study came out in two, and I had a board of directors and all these investors and this whole medical team. And in 2001, the, the board of directors, when the study came out, I was like, nope, we can't do hormones anymore. Nope. Absolutely not. I was like, well, you just shut down my whole medical side of my practice. And I now got to get rid of all these physicians that I just hired that have been helping all these women. And now I can't help these women with the medical aspects of their desire, which is like cutting off one of their, my arms to help them. And it's been that way ever since. So Mm -hmm. that's changing again, but it's, it's so far, it's not changing in the medical training. So it has to be the patient advocating and finding the right clinician who, and that's why I sent you to the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, because they are in this world and working with it in a way that your OBGYN or general practitioner has probably been told, no, stay away from hormones. Well, you know, that that's part of the problem. Like, I think Marla and I were looking into the tea pellet thing, you know, together. And for every article I found that was in favor of it, there was an article that said, don't do it. And you can't get it through your doctor. They're not going to do it, to your point. So you go to some naturopath who may or may not be a doctor, but, you know, it's doing a naturopath practice. And sometimes you just don't know who you're dealing with. And you don't even know yeah. if they're qualified. And I was going to get the T-pellet. I couldn't get it because I had um, a blood clot thing going on at the time. And I'm on a blood thinner, so I can't take the T-pellet. So Marla took it. And I felt bad that Marla had to do it, you know, without me. She shouldn't be the guinea pig. But, you know, she took, <laughs> she took one for the she took one for the team and, you know, she said it was right. You know, it was a rough beginning and then it got a little smoother, but it just on, on balance, it just didn't seem to do much. Well, yeah. then, then or, or my, I'm sorry, it yeah. didn't do what it was supposed to do. Well, it did, but then our desire was like this, right? Yeah, so both, first yeah. I was like, Lou Frig, no, like crazy. <laughs> like everything was, why did you do you know? And then, then it normalized. And I was like, I feel great. You know, and my, everything felt better. My joints, my brain, my was like high functioning, you know, because I keep saying I have ADHD. I think I just have brain fog. Yes. I just think I have severe. And that's estrogen. That is estrogen. And a new study just came out that shows that estrogen actually has protective effects on, on Alzheimer's against Alzheimer's and dementia. Brand new study. So there's those studies are starting to be done and coming out, but that's why you're absolutely right, Ken, that you need to be careful because there are a lot of kooks out there that aren't being careful, right? And that are prescribing, you know, hormones are no joke, right? Like we need them to live, but if you have too much of them, they can cause other side effects and other risk factors. And if you have the risk factors and you haven't been on them for a long time, I mean, in that study, one of the big problems is that the majority of the women on there that they suddenly gave HRT to, and it was a very specific kind of HRT, had not been on it at all for 20 Mm -hmm. years. 
and it developed right. all this plaque and heart disease. And now all of a sudden they're given estrogen. So the blood is pumping through their system and moving these clots of fat that had been building up into their- Oh, you know, and they're going, strokes, oh, geez. Right? Well, the reason they were having strokes is not because they were on estrogen, but because they hadn't been on estrogen for 20 years. And right. And put on it without thinking that that was good, you know, and evaluating- what the risk factors are. So it's really important to go, first of all, that's to say that the one of the many reasons the study was flawed, that it changed the entire medical world around dealing with women's health, but also because we have to do it carefully. And so that's why I say, if you go to the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, yeah, there are lots of osteopaths with lots of people that may or may not have experience, but you're also looking for someone who has those badges that they are like in this world, they're training other people, they have that they have a robust and responsible medical practice. And you can see that in their credentials. Mm -hmm. One of the complications initially is I have this, the MTHFR gene mutation and I wasn't methylating properly. Mm -hmm. So when I first went on it, which I'd have to go back in my records, I have a whole book of records. Things were not moving quite so right. And they weren't monitoring me properly. And it was a big, what renowned center um, around here. But I just said, look, I know my body, something's not quite right. And then DIM came out and, you know, it's like, we'll go on DIM and DIM will, you know, help to, but nothing really does that methylation process except your body. Yes. So yeah. I really need somebody super sharp. And I've, I've been to so many doctors in, in New York city and they're like, at the end, they're like, we don't know why you can't lose weight. We don't know why they aren't responding. We can't figure you out. I just did um, an interview that's coming out with Sarah Gottlieb, who is in Philadelphia. She runs the Precision Medicine Center. And she just wrote a book that's, I don't even know if it's out yet, but I think it's available for pre-order. And that's what, one of the reasons we did the podcast called, I forget what it's called, but it's basically about autoimmune disease. And did the hormone reset book? Yes. Yes. She I, was, I just unpacked my books to the bookcase and I yeah. just had it in my, yeah. Okay. Great. She is, she is an example. And I didn't, I hadn't even heard ironically, cause I am pretty up on the medical stuff, but I hadn't heard of precision medicine as a term before, right? okay. but she basically, they deal with a lot of those kinds of things and they do poop tests and chelation mm-hmm. tests and mm-hmm. all kinds of testing to see how your, not only how your immune system is functioning, but also how your gut is functioning and how you're methylating things and all of the things you're referring, right? right? Because basically what you're saying is that your body doesn't process out toxins effectively. And so so that does cause brain fog, weight gain, low desire. And she was talking about that in our interviews. So I don't know. I just think you should check her out because she's not. Yeah, we're not far from Philly. I mean, it's not the far. But check her out and check out maybe another precision medicine person because this is, and also be careful if you don't easily process out things, right? Then maybe a weekly, this is just a theory. Once again, Uh as a PhD therapist, not an MD, but makes sense that maybe putting pellets in your body that your liver has to process a certain way and a big chunk of it. And then it has to be new, you know, kind of spread out is maybe not as good of an idea as yeah. a weekly shot, right? That you're kind of giving your, yeah. you know, maybe like, how does the, the delivery system 
if the delivery mm-hmm. system, for instance, is something that's going to really put a lot of pressure on your liver, there's many mm-hmm. different delivery systems. Let's try one that bypasses the liver, right? Let's, yes. I'm not saying that's an injection, but I'm just saying that's one question that you can explore with someone who understands all these nuances. Yeah, so, that's what I learned with the tea palette. It was so it was so long lasting. And I was like, oh, but there's nothing I can do about this. I yeah, just gotta ride this out. Yeah. But we don't <laughs> want you like to cut that. me open and pull, pull no. it out. No. <laughs> yeah, and that, you know, that's as somebody who has witnessed Marla taking, you know, going through an HRT protocol and, and other things like that for, for years. It's a very I mean, I can't imagine how Marla feels. I mean, being with Marla, I I, I feel so frustrated for her. Because I think half of the time these people are just guessing. It's yeah. such a hit or miss thing. It can take decades to get it right. By the time you get it right, your body's changed just all over <laughs> yes. again. Yeah. And I read articles, and I don't read a lot of medical stuff. I just, when I come across them, you know, I read them. And, you know, it's, it's one article I read that, you know, stuck with me is, if you think your body doesn't know that you're putting fake hormones into your system, you're out of your freaking mind. Yeah, no, it does. So you you don't know you know you don't know what rabbi to believe. You just you just don't. Yeah, and it, it's exhausting trying to figure out the right combination mm-hmm. and trust somebody who likely. And you're right. What you said earlier is you know as a society we've just learned to listen to what doctors tell us. Because they're doctors. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, doctors don't do this stuff. So you go to non-doctors. Yeah. And then you wonder if they know what the hell they're doing. Well, that's why I think, yeah, I think it's really important to just be really discerning and to go to people yeah. who have had a tremendous amount of training and to understand that this is a partnership. Yes. This is a process. And in an ideal world, it should not take 10 years, but it very like, and I'm not saying it doesn't because it does for people who aren't getting the proper support, it should take three to six months mm-hmm. to start seeing some improvements and find right. the right formula for you, maybe a year if you're complex, right. but ideally, if you're working with someone who sticks with it, who understands the science, who has experience, who who has a protocol that that is working for them, and they're not just shooting in the dark, and they're someone who really has the experience and maybe even teaches it themselves. I'm always looking for that. Yes, me too. <laughs> then you are likely to be really kind of supported properly within at least six months, ideally, and definitely a year. And so that would be what I would say is the next step. And then, and the only other thing I will give you guys is homework is just like, stop worrying for now. Cause let's just Mm -hmm. accept that there is a physical infrastructure that isn't in place yet right now. So stop trying to squeeze water out of a stone or sexual arousal out of an under testosteroneized system and just enjoy the experience with no goal. Like what would sex be like if it was just an act of love and intimacy between the two of you? And maybe you aren't having the tingly and warmth and orgasm and everything else that you want to have, but can you maybe have some intimacy without that for now? Right. Mm -hmm. Just to be, I put put all the toys away today. I'm just like, it's just, it's too much to send for me. Right. And if it's too much pressure to have an orgasm or to have arousal, let's just take arousal out of the puzzle for now. We're not at 
Carl saying permanently. I do not want you to say bye-bye arousal for Marla, right? But for now, until you get in to see the physician, until you get the hormones, like arousal may or may not happen and probably don't expect it to. If it does, it's a lovely visitor. But in the meantime, it's about sensuality. It's about intimacy. It's about connecting obviously not in a way that's going to be physically or emotionally uncomfortable for you. If you're having pain or whatever, don't do it. But otherwise, play with it without any expectation. But don't. don't No, yeah. I think last night I just got off the rails a little bit because I even said yesterday we had a great day. You know, Kenny's taking such good care of me with this surgery. He always does. Yeah. And I don't like this fracturing that foundation. But I also don't want to give up on the the hopes that no, will, there's no reason. You know, so it's like playing. But I want well. It's about knowing and not giving up because it's going to get better once you get properly the proper hormonal infrastructure. That's going to happen, right? And I think what's going to happen is you're going to find the right doctor, and then Kenny's going to come in too and do the same thing. But in the meantime, what we don't want to do is put intimacy in the closet and lock the door until you quote unquote figure this out, which is what a lot of couples naturally do. Cause like, I don't know how we're not going to navigate this. I don't, you know, I put all the vibrators away. I'm not going to have an orgasm. Like, let's just stay away from all of it altogether. And that's Kenny's MO, right? He's going to do that anyway. So don't do it. You guys been talking behind my back or something? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So keep that connection, even if it's giving each other a massage or having sex without it having to lead to orgasm and just like stare into each other's eyes and be really intimate and be close. You know how to do that. Right. But yeah, we do that. Yeah. I just feel badly because I don't even have the desire to help Kenny get there. Like, because there's a, there's this little bratty part of me, like, I can't do it. And I don't want to help you do either, which is so silly. No, no, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's understandable. No, it's not fair. It's one of the reasons that I haven't really been more aggressive with Marla because I know Marla's not feeling it. I don't want to, you know, throw myself at her. That's not fair either. But I disagree. I get, and that's beautiful and lovely and sweet. But the the truth is, you have to think of it less as like getting him off or whatever, and more as nurturing and feeding the underbelly of your connection to each other, the right. foundation of your connection to one another. It doesn't matter. Yes, of course, it, we want you both to have orgasms. We want you always to have orgasms. But the truth is that kind of physical intimacy, whether he has an orgasm and you don't, or neither of you have an orgasm or whatever orgasm happens. Having that physical connection and ease and flow around the physical connection and willingness to receive initiation and make initiation, that Mm -hmm. energy we absolutely want to keep feeding. That's the foundation of your emotionally intimate connection. And so Mm -hmm. don't get all caught up in that. Well, if she can, I won't either. And like, no, No, that does not not apply here. It's not fair. It's not fair. And it's not, it's not going to help anything. And then once she gets all riled up and hormonal, that we have to now go back and open that door that's been closed and get you comfortable again and all of that. Like, why do that? Right. All right. You got your marching orders. You're going to find a doctor. You're going to stay intimate. 
And I will yes. see you. Thank you for not giving up on us. <laughs> Ever. This is good. It's a normal project. You see, the this is how it goes. This is how it rolls. It's an it's not a beginning, middle, and end. It's an evolution. Thank you. You're very you give us a lot of hope. And and I I needed to process this with it's just we I have to start fresh and and forget what happened before and just move forward. March on. March on, babies. <laughs> All right. They say Mrs. Maisel, tits up, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much.